0: Alaska's Newsmakers. Action Line K-I-N-Y. How are you, everybody? Ken Smith in the studio. A little short on the ABC News, which means we'll have more K-I-N-Y action line to talk about diabetes today. Because in the studio is Cynthia Gordon. She's a Education Program Manager for Bartlett uh, for Diabetes Education. Welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Diabetes is uh, one of these things that you just... uh, see in every family almost
1: it's very prevalent in the world in our culture in our communities yes
0: <laughs> i was talking to you off here and i have a father who had type 2 diabetes i think it led to his heart attack and um cousin with childhood diabetes girlfriend i dated for many years She got her diabetes when she was 21.
1: It can happen at any age, type one or type two diabetes, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, and um, it's just one of these things that doesn't go away, it just gets bigger.
1: That's right, diabetes is progressive, so the longer you've had it, the harder it's gonna be to control. And the more medication it might require, the tougher it is to manage. So my role as a registered nurse and as a certified diabetes educator is to help people get control of their diabetes and hold it in place as long as they can.
0: How did you get into the field as an educator and not a doctor?
1: Well, I'm nurse trained first.
0: Nurse practitioner?
1: Nope. Just a nurse. Just a nurse. (laughs) (laughs) We call those Jans, just a nurse. So um, when I first became a nurse, I was being interviewed at my first, uh, what came to be my first job, and the wise nurse manager interviewing me asked me, what are your challenge areas as a nurse? And I said, suctioning and diabetes believe it or not. And she hired me, and she knew I didn't like diabetes, and so she made me be the nurse to teach people how to inject insulin. She knew it was my my soft spot. So she kept me going, teaching people about diabetes, and the position for diabetes educator came open, and she asked me if I'd take it. So I did, and that was uh, about 24 years ago on February 14th. At Bartlett? No. This started, I started out in Kodiak, Alaska, at the Kodiak Area Native Association. And then I moved to the hospital in Kodiak. I eventually ended up at Kaiser Permanente in Honolulu and missed Alaska so much, came back to Alaska.
0: You left Honolulu?
1: Yes. I know. I tell people I just vacationed there with my furniture for two years.
0: (laughs) You've worked in the Native hospital as well as uh, now a general public hospital at Bartlett. So you, sometimes they, they say like uh, African-Americans suffer more from diabetes than they are more, pr- more prone
1: to it. Is that true? Well, believe it or not, it's actually Caucasians that have the highest rates of diabetes oh. compared to other ethnic groups. And what, what about Native Alaskans? They have the highest rate of new diagnoses.
0: So does happening. that mean we're not tr- we hadn't tracked it well earlier?
1: No. Well, what, what happens if we look at how diabetes progressed across the country? The first thing that happened is most people on the East Coast developed diabetes, and then it spread west, and then it spread north to Alaska.
0: But it's not a disease that you can contract. It's something that's more genetic, correct?
1: It, well, type 2 is genetic, yes. So there has to be a gene and then there has to be some reasons for that gene to express itself. We know a couple of things that we think um, helps diabetes, unfortunately, develop. That's things like uh, weight gain, lack of sleep, stress, whether it's psychological or physical stress. Stress, huh? Yep. Sleep apnea. Ooh. And there's many, many causes, we think.
0: I never thought stress could lead to diabetes.
1: Well, stress can cause inflammation, and inflammation is what triggers diabetes.
0: When you say inflammation, inflammation of what? The body. The body gets inflamed by stress.
1: Yes. Mm. Hormones. Mm
0: -hmm. And getting back to Native Alaskans, you said they started getting it later Mm -hmm. after... an introduction of food
1: yes so the native alaskans were big hunter gatherers and unfortunately it seems like as the western diet moves into new territories people are more likely to get type 2 diabetes
0: and that western diet filled with sugar
1: that's part of it yes and
0: carbohydrates do they cause it as well
1: Um, It's not that they cause it, but like for the Alaska Natives, their bodies were not as used to a higher carbohydrate diet, say, like the Europeans were. And so it's a new thing for them. And their bodies just haven't really had time to adjust, if you would say, to carbohydrates and how it works in our bodies.
0: So when did you start seeing the the native Alaskan, the Alaskan native population showing signs of a spike? Wow, that's a really good question. I mean, you—but you're the one to answer it because you've had this long longevity of watching it happen.
1: Yeah, I'd say it was probably in the '80s, the early '80s, that we started really seeing a lot more. And I might be incorrect, but I think that's about when we started really seeing changes.
0: Have you seen it more in one region than another? Um, like maybe the anchorage population more so than say the more rural population
1: yeah so they actually the cdc puts out maps of where uh, the highest concentrations of people with diabetes are and i'm glad to say that southeast alaska is not one of the highest it's actually one of the lowest rates in the state so we figure in Juneau about three thousand plus people have diabetes here
0: As as an overall population, we're less than the rest of the state.
1: We are. Um, We're probably about, you know, and again, this is taking generalizations, probably about uh,
0: 10%. And what about the rest of the state?
1: It's probably 10% plus, more or less. Do you consider 10%
0: to be an alarming number, or is that compared to, say, the nation?
1: It is alarming, yes. So right now they're saying by the year 2050, one in three Americans will have diabetes, and that's outrageous. Again, when I started in diabetes in 2000, the rate for the whole country was was not quite 7%, and now it's 10.5%. So it is alarming. And again, the thought of one in three Americans having diabetes in the next uh, you know by 2050 is alarming
0: one in three
1: one in three we
0: also probably didn't know much about diabetes for many decades people might not even been diagnosed
1: absolutely you're right
0: so is it more awareness than actual numbers increasing
1: it's probably a little bit of both yeah So, you know, everyone should be getting checked for diabetes when they see their physician and have their their physical done. But there are other opportunities, like health fairs and things like that, too, where they have the opportunity to have their blood sugar checked.
0: Well, I get my cholesterol checked, and along with that cholesterol lab blood test, you know, they show sucrose and potential for diabetes. I'm always, there's always, it's not flagged, but it's there as a mention.
1: Well, and so one of the things I'd like to share with you is that before people develop type 2 diabetes, almost everybody gets something called pre-diabetes. And that's where the blood sugars are elevated, but not high enough to be diagnosed with type 2 diabetes.
0: So that's common?
1: It is common, yes. Oh, I feel better. <laughs>
0: no, I do. I was like... They never said that.
1: Right. And so, you know, in my experience, my experience has been, you know, a lot of physicians, this is, you know, they used to be this way. They'd go, oh, yeah, the blood sugars are a little bit elevated, but we'll just wait and see. That's not happening anymore. Physicians and nurse practitioners and PAs and and the medical community have started recognizing that when someone has prediabetes, that's the time to act. Because if you have a prediabetes, you can actually reverse that and stop diabetes from happening and that's what we're all about prevention is a big deal for us at Bartlett
0: so we might as well start talking about prevention I I've, everybody out there is in then on the cusp of diabetes
1: I don't know if I'd say everyone but
0: a large percentage the majority of Americans
1: yes well and and also worldwide rates are going up too so I think we could say as people
0: I was in China and they're having a, I was teaching there and you know, I got my physical exam and they have a diabetic problem going on. Yes. Because of the change of diet mm-hmm. and the introduction of Western food.
1: Yes. And the Middle East also, because they've got more Western foods, they're having a spike. I think right now they're the hotspot for increased rates of diabetes.
0: And it's all because of food?
1: It again it's it's not all I love
0: generalizations.
1: <laughs> I would not say it's all because of food, but there's so many things at play here. Yes, our portion sizes are getting larger. They're not what they used to be. Say, like, you know, in the 50s, we had little small Cokes. I'm not in. I'm not born in the 50s. I just want to make that clear. Um,
0: I didn't think you were.
1: <laughs> but we used to have, you know, small bottles of Coke, and now our Cokes are supersized. So a good point. And our plates used to be smaller plates. Remember the frozen dinners? Yeah. When we were kids, they were very small. Yes, and now we get platters of food when we go to restaurants. We have mechanized ourselves out of physical activity with things like riding lawnmowers and cars instead of walking and biking and doing things like that. So there's many, many things at play.
0: Exercise, diet, those are the keys they always say to a healthy life.
1: Yes, agreed. I put I put sugar
0: in my coffee every day, like a half a teaspoon. Is that, is, that, is that bad?
1: No, it's not too much at all. Are you sure? Yeah.
0: I'm going to trust you on this. Okay. Because I do like my sugar in my coffee.
1: Most of us do like sugar. We're kind of... Am I addicted? Not necessarily, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, another generalization. <laughs> well, I don't know. Sometimes I worry about addiction to uh, sweet stuff.
1: Well, as humans, we're programmed to like sweets because that's stomach's, where the calories come from. Us that. That's where the calories come from. Yeah, and so um, sweets and sugars and carbohydrates are fuel for the brain. Protein really doesn't fuel the brain very much. Fats don't really fuel the brain very much. It's sugar and carbohydrates, and sugar is a form of carbohydrate. So that's what fuels the brain. That's what keeps our brains running when we're not eating. So
0: that's why we like it. Yes. Our brain's telling us to like it.
1: Yes. And that's why um, my understanding is, you know, people who do things like keto diet where they cut out all their carbohydrates, it's not sustainable because eventually you're going to start craving carbohydrates. Your brain's going to override your your willpower.
0: I love pasta and rice. Me too. Is rice uh, better than pasta, say, or do they categorize good car You know, how does it differ and what could be more healthy or more detrimental?
1: Well, we look at portion sizes, and rice and pasta happen to be the same serving size. So carbohydrates are divided into what's called servings, and a serving is 15 grams of carbohydrate. And rice, one serving of rice, is one-third cup, and that's the same as pasta. Say that again. One-third cup of rice, is 15 grams of carbohydrate or one serving and pasta is the exact same serving one third cup so they're about equal in how they affect blood sugar
0: well cindy i gotta be honest with you i don't measure my pasta
1: not a lot of people do unless they have diabetes it
0: goes into the strainer and onto my plate and whatever's there i try to eat it all yep well people i'm overdoing it probably then I I'm certainly not doing what you just said for serving size.
1: Well, and so here's the thing, though. Just <laughs> one-third cup, it, that's not as many servings as people get. So someone with diabetes might get about three to four servings of carbohydrate per meal based on their specific needs.
0: Well, was there a healthy amount per weight? Like if you're 170, you shouldn't exceed like a half a cup?
1: It's actually not per weight, but what it is is it's... We look at your health situation. You know, are your blood sugars controlled or are they not? Do you have diabetes? Do you have prediabetes? Do you have high cholesterol? Do you have hypertension? We look at all those. That's what the dieticians that I work with specialize in is looking at that specific person's health needs, what they're dealing with. And then they develop kind of a, a rough plan of carbohydrates and protein amounts and fats amounts and exercise and things like that to help them live a healthy life.
0: So the most important thing is to be educated about how to take care of your body and if you do have diabetes, what to do. We'll talk about that when we come back. Talking with Cynthia Gordon. She's the Bartlett Diabetes Education Program Manager today on Action Line. Action Line continues, K-I-N-Y. Welcome back to Action Line. I'm talking with Cynthia Gordon here at K-I-N-Y about diabetes. She's the Education Program Manager. Well, let's talk about
1: signs and symptoms of diabetes. Yes. So a couple of things to know is, one, um, there are risk factors for type 2 diabetes. And so that's what I want to concentrate on today. Some of those uh, risk factors can be being overweight. If you're 45 years of age or older, that's a risk factor. If you have a parent or a sibling with type 2, that puts you at higher risk of developing type 2. And if you're not physically active at least three times a week, that can also increase your risks of developing type 2. If you're a woman who's ever had gestational diabetes, that raises your risks substantially. And if you're also a woman who's ever had a condition called polycystic ovarian syndrome, that is also a risk factor for diabetes. So some of the signs and symptoms are, are... First of all, I should start by saying, one, some people have absolutely zero symptoms of diabetes. And that's the worst one of all, I think, because you feel fine. And I've had to sit in the office and try and convince someone that, yes, their blood sugars are elevated. And they say, but they feel fine. And that's great, you feel fine. But there are some signs and symptoms like being thirsty, going to the restroom a lot, um, feeling super tired and having no energy, Um, Also, having a wound that does not heal or um, it just keeps growing. Um, There are, you know, everybody is so individual, but those are some of the main symptoms that we see with with diabetes and elevated blood sugars.
0: Well, my girlfriend of many years who diagnosed herself almost was in San Francisco on a bus and she was drinking like an exorbitant amount of liquid and she just couldn't quench her, her thirst. And she's looking at the uh, sign on the bus she's taking and it says diabetes symptoms. And first one was thirst. Yes. She goes into the doctor office and gets diagnosed. Mm-hmm. That she needs medication for the rest of her life. My cousin, same thing. She was drinking milk, like couldn't get enough. She loved milk, she was drinking it, and then she got diagnosed at i think she was like third grade or something. she had childhood diabetes, mm-hmm. which type you one. have yeah adulthood and
1: childhood mm-hmm. well, so that's actually a misnomer now oh, because we've sorry. got we've got kids who are being diagnosed with type two. I've known a 99-year-old who developed type 1. So it really can happen at either age, any age, whether it's type 1 or type 2. They actually think that type 2 diabetes will overtake type 1 in childhood in the next several years, sadly. And that's, again... Diet? Well, it's diet, exercise, lifestyle. And, you know, again, having that gene that puts you at risk. They actually think, like, the human uh, body, like 60% of all humans carry that gene, I don't know if that's the exact number, but I think that's what it used to be considered, about 60%.
0: Have they broken it down to lineage? Because it just so happens, my girlfriend was Irish, my cousin's Irish, I'm half Greek, and then the rest Irish. But two Irish, 100% got it. Are they more prone from that region?
1: No, not that I'm aware of. We do know that... Um, Countries like Finland has a higher risk of type 1 diabetes. We think that might have something to do with the lack of sun for type 1. We have that here. Yes, we do. And I would also say that probably 99% of all people in Juneau are vitamin D deficient. So that's something to be looking at, too. Mm.
0: And my father got it, as I mentioned, late in life. Irish. Mm -hmm. So that's three Irish. Nobody on the Greek side.
1: They have it in Greece, too, unfortunately. It's worldwide. no. Sadly.
0: I figured that maybe it was helping. but So let's talk about once you are diagnosed, first of all, how do you get diagnosed?
1: Well, the only way to get diagnosed is through a blood draw. Unfortunately, um, if you use someone's blood glucose meter and it shows high, it doesn't count. So you actually have to go to the doctor, have a venous blood draw like out of your arm and have it checked that way. So
0: Specifically for diabetes
1: actually it 's usually done with with a regular uh, lab panel, like at your annual
0: so when I get my cholesterol checked, which is what i 'm always keeping an eye on right that 's the one reason I go to get my blood lab mm-hmm. it once a year. That will be a good indicator. If I have diabetes, it will show up.
1: It should, yes. It should have a glucose panel on there, too, with cholesterol and things like that. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: So blood labs are good, to as you get older, to maintain.
1: Absolutely. The biggest thing I like to tell people, too, is always ask for a copy of your labs, you know, because oh, yeah. you want to lay your eyes on those those labs yourself. And again, and unfortunately, it used to be, I don't know, I hope it's still not that way, I haven't seen it. You know, some physicians say, oh, we'll just keep an eye on it. But no, you really want to know if you have prediabetes or not, because that's the only time you're going to get to reverse this thing. So I always encourage people to have a copy of their labs. Let, you know, you put your eyes on it and see what it shows. And then ask your doctor if, you, if you're having issues with it. Have them explain that to you. You're the most important person when it comes to managing your health. No one else is, but you're the most important person.
0: As an educator, what are you doing to have outreach?
1: Well, we've got a couple of things going on. Um, At Bartlett, we have a pre-diabetes class that is going to start back up in person. We haven't had it since before COVID started. Our first class is going to be February 16th at 5 o'clock. It's an hour and a half. It's taught by me and the registered dietitians. We're going to have several classes throughout the year. For people with type 2 diabetes or type 1, we work one-on-one with them currently to help them you know, learn about diabetes, show them ways to manage it. Um, through food, exercise, medication, if need be, most people do take medication and really learn about their their condition so they can be the one making the decisions about their health. We've also got the health fair uh, coming up at Thunder Mountain in March, and I apologize I don't have those dates. But we also have free, um, I'll throw this into free glucose and uh, uh, screening programs at Bartlett throughout the year as well.
0: Think people would really show up to a educational class on pre-diabetes? I mean, most people probably aren't thinking in those terms.
1: They have in the past. I'm proud to say. And actually, there's actually like three times as many people with pre-diabetes than there are with diabetes. So um, there's like 96 million Americans with pre-diabetes and only 34 million Americans with diabetes. So it's we need to catch them. There. It's really important that we identify them and help them turn this around.
0: And do you post information online?
1: Yes, it's on the Bartlett website. Mm -hmm.
0: Just keep word diabetes education or?
1: Just our also under the uh, calendar. The good news is it's free, there's no cost. We'll give you handouts, we'll give you a link to a source if you really want to get involved and manage your prediabetes and reverse it. So we want everyone to come learn what to do because i joke but it's it's really not a joke i'd love to be put out of business with a cure and i really want people who have prediabetes to not develop diabetes
0: i keep waiting for a diabetic or diabetes uh inoculation that can correct it when's that going to happen oh i wish i wish i mean we can we can inoculate everything else
1: We're never going to get around to a shot. We'll take care of it. Well, there's going to be a cure for type one diabetes before there's a cure for type two. The only thing is, though, that type one diabetes only accounts for five to ten percent of all diabetes, whereas ninety to ninety-five percent is type two. And with type two, there's like eight different things going wrong in the body that we have to address.
0: But correctable.
1: Correctable, but again, not curable at this point.
0: Once you get it, you can't get rid of it.
1: You know, just in the last couple of years, uh, some of the researchers have been talking about people with diabetes being able to go into diabetes remission, and that's with type two. And what those folks have done have had made some major health health style changes, life changes, by losing weight, eating healthy, getting that exercise in, and they can really tame the diabetes beast and not deal with it for a while. But eventually, it's gonna it's gonna rear its head again it's, it's progressive it's going to get worse as the longer you've had it
0: hmm. that's why we go back to get your labs done if you're on the brink or pre-diabetic diagnosis get active taking care of your body and diet
1: absolutely and well, you can live a really healthy life with diabetes it's possible but you have to know how
0: or you can prevent it by taking action absolutely Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Cynthia Gordon, Bartlett Diabetes Education Program Manager, today on Action Line. ABC News coming up, and then we'll have Problem Corner.
1: Action Line. Weekday mornings. Action Line. If it happens in Southeast, you'll hear it on
0: Action Line. K-I-N-Y.